Welcome to the Dog Classroom. The Dog Classroom Podcast. I am your co-host, Anne-Marie. And I'm your co-host, Amelia. Like and subscribe on Spotify and YouTube in video format. And now into the episode. Here we go. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Dog Classroom Podcast. I'm here with uh, my special guest, Julia. Julia has been on the podcast before, but we'll do another little intro in case you missed that episode. Um, Julia is a social worker, counselor, therapist. Tell us about you. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Julia. I use she, her pronouns. I have been a social worker for the last 15 years in Thunder Bay and across the province of Ontario. I uh, I have a, a, a counseling uh, business, Julia MacArthur Counseling, and uh, I really enjoy working with... Um, adolescents which we're uh, going to talk about today <laughs> humans and dogs um and adults and um I, i'm a dog a happy dog owner of two very very small very very cute mm-hmm. little dogs um one of whom was an adolescent when i got her yes and uh, i think we'll probably end up talking a little bit about her today um so that brings us to our topic we are going to talk about adolescent dogs And the reason we picked this topic was, number one, because um, we do have a webinar about adolescent dogs. It started off as a workshop that we did part online and part in person. Mm -hmm. And we've sort of been been changing it as we go and improving it. And uh, so we do have uh, the webinar coming up, uh, I think, as of the date of this recording. The next one is March 3rd. Mm But if you happen to miss that, um, check out the website. It will be on there because we do run it regularly. Yeah. Um, it's a really popular one. It's a really important topic. So um, why adolescence? Yeah. Why are we talking about this? Yeah. I mean, adolescence. Oh, who remembers being an adolescent? <laughs> Don't we all? It was um, a hard time. I know from my perspective, um, from the dog, uh, the dog world perspective, most uh, behavioral euthanasias, unfortunately, are adolescent dogs, and most dogs that are relinquished to shelters are adolescent dogs. Yeah, and that's important because um, they're going through a lot of changes. Yeah, that we're going to talk about, and um, it's not. Just that, you know, people do give up dogs for different reasons, mm-hmm. but it's not just, um, you know, people are moving or people are getting divorced. There's there's reasons why these dogs are sometimes being given up. Yeah. Um, and we want to hopefully prevent that. And yeah. we want to we want to talk about it a little bit. Absolutely. So maybe you can tell us a little bit as to why adolescents are so challenging. Yeah. So um, adolescent dogs are challenging. um Because like you said, they're going through so many changes and, Mm -hmm. you know, human adolescence, um, when, when, when like human children are becoming adolescents, they say that like each year of your adolescence is worth five years of development as an adult. Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. And so you think like you compress that for a dog into, I mean, like two years maybe like two-ish years I would say yeah I think most of the things that I've read have adolescents defined as eight months to two three years yeah yeah that's what I've read too so you know they're going through puberty they have all kinds of like hormones going through their body they're often going through really significant growth spurts yes their brains are growing and developing um they're engaging with the world in a whole new way right yeah because when you have a puppy I find Everybody knows that the puppy stage is going to be challenging mm-hmm. because you go, okay, you're 
your carpet's going to get ripped up. There's going to be, you know, pee in your floor. You're going to have sleepless nights. They're going to bite you, all that stuff. And then everyone thinks that, you know, by the time they're six months, they should be perfect, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and like, they kind of are for, like, maybe a couple months in there, like six months, They give months. you a glimpse. Like, like, they give you some hope. Look, I've stopped doing all these behaviors, and I've learned how to sit on command. Yeah. And, and then adolescence And then hits. it's gone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think, too, like you mentioned, they're going through growth spurts. When our puppies hit that adolescent phase, they sometimes look like adult dogs. Yeah. And then people forget and they, they assume that, you know, because it looks like an adult, that it should behave like an adult. Yeah. And so that's just not true. It's right? just not true, no. Um, and I think there's so many different pieces that we need to be aware of mm-hmm. um, when they're going through adolescence, which is why there's an entire workshop on it. Um, yeah. We can't touch on all of them today. But maybe um, briefly you can talk about some of the, the big things that they're going through. Yeah, so... Um, Adolescence um, is this like secondary socialization period for dogs. So, Mm -hmm. you know, puppies have this socialization period that it's really important to have them interacting with other dogs, interacting with other humans. Um, They can be more fearful, I think, during that period. And Mm -hmm. so it's it's important to make sure that they have the support they need to navigate the world. Mm -hmm. And then um, what's lesser known is that adolescent dogs go through uh, a similar, different, but a similar period of secondary socialization. And, And some people think that it, like some people argue that it's even more important that then than that initial puppy um, socialization period because it gives dogs and their owners the opportunity to correct things that maybe didn't go as well when they were puppies. You know, like we don't right. all get a dog when they're a tiny puppy. Like I didn't. Right. I didn't get my dog when she was a tiny puppy. Um, luckily, she was raised like really, really well. <laughs> um, but like if she wasn't, if she had been through something you know, she, uh, she potentially could have some of those, some of those um, things that impacted her, like really early puppyhood kind of corrected by being able to have a a safe environment and be able to go out into the world and discover the world in a safe way that maybe she didn't get to before. I think that's really important too, is to, to say that it has to be done in, in a safe and comfortable way. Yeah. Um, because I know we're going to talk about attachment. Mm -hmm. So why don't you, for the listeners, just quickly define um, what is attachment? What is attachment theory? Yeah, so um, attachment theory is a theory um, developed in the, like, the... The 50s, 60s, 70s by a scientist um, named John Bowlby. Um, he developed it specifically around humans. And attachment is actually the relationship between two humans. Okay. And what he was studying and then like um, later Mary Ainsworth, another psychologist, and then subsequently many, many people. Attachment's been kind of become a thing lately. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they really looked at that relationship between a child and their primary caregiver. Okay. And so for dogs, we are their primary caregiver. We're their primary caregiver. And like in a way that's different than even dogs that continue to like maybe live with their moms, their mom dogs. Yes. Yeah. Because their mom dog isn't their primary caregiver, right? We take care of their feeding and all of their other needs. Like we're the ones deciding where they sleep and all Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, So with the attachment aspect i know that you and i have had this conversations many times and i keep sending you studies and going look at this one look at this one <laughs> um but basically there has been some crossover there right where we're noticing that dogs can also have these yes. attachment 
figures in yeah. their life. Yeah. The the I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but the relationship between a primary caregiver and an adolescent human is very, very similar to the relationship between the primary dog caregiver and mm -hmm. their adolescent dog. Right. And so when you're looking at attachment theory, there's different styles or types, I guess they're called. Yeah. Right. So um, do you want to name some of the attachment styles off the top of your head? Sure, sure. So there's like a, there's secure attachment. There's um, there's like anxious attachment. There's avoidant attachment. There's disorganized attachment. And they all kind of like signify different experiences that um a human will have um, in their early attachment um, in their early attachment relationship with their caregiver that then becomes almost like um, and becomes kind of like a, a model for how they interact in future relationships. Okay, and it's not necessarily something that is you know when we use words like anxious or avoidant or disorganized that can feel like. It's something that somebody can't overcome. You yeah. can, you can, you know, learn about your attachment style and or your partner's attachment style, and you know, it's just about learning how to understand it in a different way and like um, understand why people may behave the way they do based on their attachment style. So when we're thinking about dogs, for example, mm -hmm. um, if a dog has been maybe bounced around from home to home. Um, they're not necessarily going to have that secure attachment, right? Mm -hmm. And it may take a little longer, like you said, that it can change, right? Mm -hmm. It could change when they're in this this new situation with maybe their new caregiver. Mm -hmm. um, and our goal would pretty much be to be their secure base safe haven. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And those are terms from attachment theory. Maybe you can, can explain a little bit what they mean. Absolutely. So a secure base is... Um, a safe and trustworthy person that your dog can go out and explore the world from. Mm -hmm. So if your dog has a good, strong attachment relationship with you, your dog will feel more comfortable going out into the world and sniffing and discovering and finding independence. Mm -hmm. And then inevitably your dog is going to like find a porcupine <laughs> or like run into something that scares it. And then that's when the safe haven becomes really important because when you have that really strong attachment relationship with your dog, you become the safe haven. Your dog returns to you when he or she is fearful and needs comfort. Which is important because an adolescent dog is going to find that curiosity. They're going to find that independence. Whereas when they were a little puppy potato, they're following you around, they're stuck to your heel, right? And then it's just part of that developmental phase where they go, okay, I need to explore yeah. my surroundings. Mm -hmm. So that's going to happen regardless. Yeah, You want to be the safe place for your dog to come back to. So they go, hey, I got into trouble, but I know that, you know, you're going to help me out. Yeah. And I see that a lot. I think when when dogs find something that scares them, like a, something drops off a counter yeah. and it freaks them out, um, they want to look to you mm -hmm. for comfort, right? And so I think that's important because we, we want to make sure that we're always that, that safe space for our dogs. Absolutely. And so when we're talking about um, the, the exploration and the, the independence that they get, that's where a lot of, I think from my perspective, I see clients coming in with adolescent dogs with issues where they go, okay, my dog knows all of this stuff. They know sit and they know down and they know shake a paw and they can recall every time I ever call them and then it's gone. Yeah. 
right? And so why why does that happen? I mean, that that is one of the features of the adolescent dog period. Right. So, and what can be even more frustrating is that if you bring your dog for a consult to Amelia and Amelia gets your dog to sit, your dog, like ask your dog to sit, your dog will probably listen to Amelia. So they're actually like, that is part of the secure base, like exploration. Your dog is kind of like, challenging authority and mm -hmm. and i don't want to there, there seems to be like I, I feel like there's intentionality behind that they're not purposely trying to like mess with you or to disobey their parent what i've heard maybe this will be helpful yeah. is that um like with people they they want to see you know oh see i was right you know and and if i do this oh see you, you don't love me anymore that mm -hmm. sort of thing i don't know if dogs can have that intentionality but i think it's kind of similar to what you're saying like you want to see okay i'm going to go out and i'm going to sit for this person mm. but can i still come back here mm -hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> and, and they, they that say that about dogs that haven't had that really secure attachment before in their puppyhood that part of that secondary socialization period is that they're going to go and they're going to they're going to go out there and make mistakes or get scared or they're going to challenge your authority and that's that act of being accepting and bringing your dog back and being that safe haven and that secure base, even when they're infuriating you, <laughs> is the thing that builds that strong attachment in this second period, this reparation of this, this relationship model that may have been damaged. And I think that's so important because when we get to, you know, we're training a dog that's eight months old and they're starting to have that regression and then people go, well, see this isn't working, I'm mm -hmm. gonna do something else. And then they, they may go and you know say, okay, I'm gonna punish the dog for not coming back to me. Mm -hmm. And then what you've done is just damage that recall because mm -hmm. you're saying they know this, they should do it, but in reality, this is a, a, a developmental phase that they're going through and they, they are gonna sort of blow you off a little bit, but when they come back, you can't yell at them for it or you're just going, yeah, you were right. Yeah. I am not the safe place. Yeah. Um, so that's just going to make it even worse down the line. Yeah. And this is the, this is the era. <laughs> this, this is the, the, the point in the lifespan for like environmental modification, right? Like right. your dog isn't going to have the recall that they had. Keep your dog on a long lead. It's yeah, it, it really is a lot of the time managing a little bit more because when they were a puppy, they didn't explore. You didn't have to manage quite so much. Mm -hmm. You go through this period, you manage it a little bit. Like maybe you're using better treats when you ask your dog to sit on a walk where mm -hmm. they used to work for their kibble. Or maybe um, when you're you're out at the park, they are dragging a long line or there there's any number of things that you can do to sort of make it so you don't have to, you know, they don't have to get into massive amounts of trouble, mm -hmm. right? You don't have to let them run off and chase a porcupine. Mm -hmm. You can manage that and go, hey, let's get through this stage. Let's get that recall back to where it was. Yeah. And then, you know, we move forward together, having gotten through this phase. Together. This, together, right? Yeah. And so in the last episode where we had you talking about um, questions that clients asked, mm -hmm. One of them that came up quite a bit was um, the guilt associated with having a reactive dog or having a dog who is not listening for some reason. Yeah. Maybe you can touch on that a little bit, how they can cope with those feelings. Absolutely. I mean, that guilt can come up so strongly and impact us so much. And, and the first thing that I would say to somebody who's experiencing those moments of guilt like that is to take a deep breath and practice some self-compassion. Right. And so what I mean by that is 
understanding that, you know, if we are striving for perfection at all times, we're not going to reach that. And that is not an appropriate goal, right? No. <laughs> um, progress, not perfection, right? That's, yes. that's what we say. And so that self-compassion is, is all about understanding that you might feel judged by people, you might be judging yourself, but is that serving you and your dog in that moment? Right. And, and in the big picture, the more we can educate people that, yes, the puppy period is hard, the adolescent period is harder. <laughs> and then um, maybe, you know, as it becomes more widely known, people won't feel so judged and they won't yeah. have that guilt. Yeah. Um, and I think, too, as long as uh, their needs are being met, which mm -hmm. we talked about a little bit, too, yeah. is you know, making sure that you're happy and your dog is happy mm -hmm. and and making sure that, you know, everybody is sort of getting through it together. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about the five freedoms. We mm -hmm. talked about that a bit earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so there's the five freedoms model. I can't remember who it's by. Uh, we can probably throw that in the show notes, but freedom from hunger and thirst, freedom from discomfort, freedom from pain, injury, distress, freedom to express normal behavior and freedom from fear and distress. Yeah. And so if we're meeting all of those things, right, we can be reasonably sure that our dog is going to be happy. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that with adolescence is expressing normal behavior. Expressing normal behavior, especially <laughs> normal behavior for a teenager. Which is, you know, being a little bit rebellious, being a little more energetic, or maybe some of us as teenagers, myself included, being a little bit more sleepy. Yeah. Sleeping all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, huge for teenage dogs, too. Yeah. yeah. And, and allowing them to do that, allowing them to explore, mm -hmm. allowing them to, you know, sort of learn things and then regress and learn things and regress and, and not having it impact that overall relationship. There's still the dog that you love yeah and we say this in the workshop or the the webinars you'll love them again one day yeah that was the name of a workshop that Henry and I went to many many years ago um and it was about adolescent dogs because everybody feels that way yeah and, and I think like I have an example about this it's about my go cat. with it love it so I remember I I had this cat his name was Finn she was so lovely and fluffy and he was at the stage where he was just being so challenging and I was correcting his behavior so often that I felt like we were actually having a bad relationship yeah you don't need to get to that place like I, I took a minute and I checked in with myself at that point and I was like you know I'm supposed to be enjoying this cat I didn't get this cat because I wanted to like police it yeah and so like I made some environmental changes and I started just spending some positive time with him and it really shifted the the nature of our relationship. And I think I learned that earlier than I got my dogs and my dogs went through, you know, their adolescent period. So um, I'm lucky that I learned that when I did. But like part of the feature of that attachment relationship we have with our dogs is that when we look at them, there's a chemical reaction in both of our brains where oxytocin is released. Oxytocin right. is the the love hormone. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and we should still be able to have those opportunities where we can have that close attachment connection with our animal, with our dog, where we can both feel that. So it's happening in your dog's brain and it's happening in your brain. Like just think of that expression on your dog's face when you come home after a day of work <laughs> or when you've been out. All of those love chemicals are flowing through their brains and their bodies. 
And I think it's really important to honor that. It is. And and I know like if you're staring directly into your dog's eyes, that may be a little confrontational based on Good their, point. Yeah. their language. <laughs> but I know what I do is when my dogs are sleeping, I'm like looking at them. Like I just love watching them sleep. Yeah. Look at their little feet and everything. You don't have to be staring directly into your dog's eyes. Right? No, that's a very good um, point. Because <laughs> sometimes that might be a little bit threatening. But um, I think it's really important to, to know that, you know, that that relationship is there and maybe if you're having a hard time go and watch your dog sleep for five minutes and yeah. go hey I, I still love this dog very much yeah even though they're an adolescent and they're giving me grief a whole lot of trouble <laughs> right now Absolutely. Um, and i think um more we do talk about um some of the behaviors we can teach our dogs in the workshop mm-hmm. so um because we already have that sort of covered i want to talk a little bit about the human aspect of it, which mm-hmm. I know we talked in our last podcast about, mm-hmm. but specifically related to adolescent dogs. What are some of the things that you would say, okay, when you have an adolescent dog, let's say um, you're going out to the park and you want to be in the right mindset before you go, what could they do to help um, get through, I mean, what they think is maybe going to be another frustrating walk? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that first, like, kind of like checking where you are in your mind and your body and like calming yourself down beforehand and really checking in with any like worries that you might have mm-hmm. and thinking through whether you've prepared in a way that makes sense for for those things that you might be more worried about. Like, you know, like coming up with a plan beforehand is a really effective way to to deal with some of those things so that you can be nice and calm because the calmer you are. <laughs> The more enjoyment you and your dog are going to be able to get out of that that interaction of that walk. And then I think another thing is that like you might have some goals for for what you're going out there and doing. Mm -hmm. But also remember like what's the overall purpose? Is the overall purpose for you to have a good time for your dog to get some exercise and for you both to feel connected to each other? Right. Or is the purpose to show Sally down the street how good your dog is? (laughs) Right. Probably not. Um, We've covered this already. We don't care what Sally thinks. (laughs) Uh, But we we need to set realistic goals and expectations for our dogs. Mm -hmm. Right. And I also tell people like clients and 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 people that ask me about adolescent dogs is it's a good time for them to be in classes, which I know is a little bit salesy of me. But when you have a puppy, everybody's rushing to classes yeah. and they're going, we need to get this puppy trained up. And then when it starts to fall apart, because no matter what training you do beforehand, they're going through this developmental phase. You mm-hmm. cannot stop that. And and you want to make sure that you're getting through it with some support. Mm-hmm. And so I always find it's really helpful to have, even for myself, to go to another instructor's class mm-hmm. and, and have some support through that so that you can go, hey, this is you know going really terribly this week. What should I do to get through it? And then you have someone else to sort of go, hey, that you maybe you could try this or maybe try that or maybe just skip the walk this week and do something else, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and in my experience, going to the dog classroom for as many years as I've done with like a dog that maybe just was at the tail end of adolescence and then another dog that definitely went through adolescence in class, I've never gotten any judgment from you all. And I think that's because... <laughs> we have all been there right and everybody else I say those in classes all the time is 
everybody's here for the same reason. Nobody's here because their dog is perfect. No. Nobody's here because they don't want any help with their dog. Like, we're all here because we're struggling with something. Mm -hmm. And there's no need to be embarrassed about it. Absolutely. Um, and you've given us some strategies as to um, how to, to deal with those those feelings of frustrations and embarrassment in the last podcast that we had you on. Mm -hmm. So if you missed that one, please go back and look at it because... One more thing, that, one more strategy I will share, and we do talk about this okay. in the in the in the training is like if you're not in the right headspace you can skip it yeah don't do it you probably wouldn't want to skip a week of walks with an adolescent yeah. dog because things will get pretty wild inside your house but if you're really just feeling frustrated and overwhelmed except man it's okay yeah do it's something right. else do something else do some enrichment do a sniffy walk in the bush do whatever you don't have to Go for this exact neighborhood walk yeah. every single day. And I think that having feeling like we have permission to sometimes just check in with ourselves and like honor where we're at and maybe where where our dog is at is, is like a really good thing. It's super healthy for both you and your dog and your relationship. It's a little bit of self-care. Yeah. That's like the cool thing right now is self-care. And having a good time with your dog is self-care. Yeah. So enjoying the time that you spend with them, cuddling with them on the couch playing fetch in the backyard, mm -hmm. whatever you feel like doing with them. Um, so I think just to, to sort of summarize a little bit, mm -hmm. adolescence is tough. Adolescence is tough. <laughs> uh, it's tough for humans and it's tough for dogs. Yeah. And it's tough for dog parents and it's tough for adolescent dogs and adolescent humans. It's tough for everyone all around, really. Right. It's a challenging spot to be. Um, the most important thing I think would be to consider the overall relationship. This yeah. is a short period of their life. This is not forever. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, you just want to keep that relationship strong. You want to build that relationship through positive reinforcement training and doing activities that you and your dog both enjoy. Yeah. Um, and then practicing your self-care and making sure that you're taking care of yourself and you're going, yes, we can get through this together. Absolutely. Do you have any closing thoughts you want to add? Um, you know, I guess what I'll say is that as challenging as adolescents can be, both humans and dogs, they just bring so much as well. You know, yeah. like they make me laugh every day. They think about the world in different ways and they challenge me in some really hard, but sometimes some really, really good ways. Humans and dogs both. And so like also treasure this time. It's yes. only going to happen once in your dog's life. Yeah. And uh, I think that's great. Look for look for the joy. Look for the good things. Yeah, it, right. Absolutely. Uh, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast again. Yeah. And it's been wonderful having you. We'll definitely have to uh, have some more conversations, whether webinars or more podcasts or whatever it is. I just always love hearing uh, Julia's thoughts on <laughs> on all different topics. I send her things all the time. Uh, so there's never any shortage of things to talk about. Um, if you want to hear more from her, you can contact her through her website, which yeah. we will put in the show notes. And um, you can also book a, a consultation with her or a session with her. Um, if there's something that you're going through with your dog that you want to talk about, um, Julia is <laughs> well-versed in adolescent dog. So she can definitely um, help you there. Uh, other than that, I think tune in to the webinar, uh, the workshop that we have online, whatever the next upcoming date is when you listen to this episode, check it out on thedogclassroom.com. And I am your co-host, Amelia. Thank you so much for joining us this week and we'll see you guys next time.